0: G'day everyone, and welcome to My Union Road an ABA. This is a podcast to chronicle the progress towards a new enterprise bargaining agreement at Monash University, and is brought to you by members of the Monash branch of the NTEU. We're here to take the old agreement and hashtag change it, and unlike our namesake, my dad wrote a porno, do everything we can to avoid being fucked in the process. Those involved with the podcast would like to acknowledge that it is being recorded on the unceded lands of the Kulin Nations on whose lands we live, teach, and work. We would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional custodians and elders, past and present, and to the continuation of the cultural, spiritual, and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Adam Fernandez, your National councillor at the Monash Branch of the NTU. It has been 502 days since our last agreement expired, and my goodness, time has flown. Our negotiating team hasn't made it very far in improving the working conditions of my staff. No fault on their part, of course. Dear members, it's easy to despair at the progress that we're making, or lack thereof. So I thought I would take some time to give you some numbers that may brighten up your day. In the last 502 days, we've had 503 members join the union. We've taken more stop work actions than ever before. This year we started with a 4 hour stop work and escalated to a full 48 hours. In fact, of those 502 members that joined, 55 of them joined just last month. We've also increased our pool of activists and are now one of the most active branches in the country. So members. As the university tries the same title tactics they used in the last round of bargaining, they forget that the branch has fundamentally changed. The longer they drag it out, the stronger the union will get. And if we keep going this way, we won't have to compromise on our claims. That's it from me, I'm Adam Fernandez, signing out.
0: G'day everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Bunch of different stuff we're gonna talk to you about today wrapping up the semester, wrapping up the year, and a bit of an insight into the things that we're going to be doing over the summer break and that we hope you will also help us do over the summer break. So, without delay, let's get into it. The first thing that we want to talk about, um, which is uh, admittedly a very sombre way to begin, Mm -hmm. is with um, this ongoing situation in Gaza. As some of you may be aware, earlier this month, the branch passed a motion regarding the unfolding disaster in Gaza. Uh, As the death toll continues to rise, a toll that currently stands at somewhere north of 11,000 people, including some 5,000 children, uh, we felt it was important to not be silent.
2: Our motion condemned the killing of civilians and called for immediate ceasefire, demands that a growing number of people, organizations and governments around the world are also calling for and as they should be. Advocating for anything other than an end to the killing is advocating for the continuation of that killing. And with a growing number of people also arguing the the events in Gaza constitute, at, at a minimum, grave and repeated violations of human rights and international law, and at worst, genocide, anything other than demanding an immediate end to the conflict is
0: unconscionable. Nationally the NTU recognises the urgency of international solidarity in ending the apartheid system and settler-colonial control to which Israel has subjected the Palestinians for more than seven decades now. As such, we reiterate the Union's call to participate in active solidarity with Palestinians and with the Palestinian diaspora. In Victoria, this includes, but is not limited to, attending the Sunday rallies at the State Library every Sunday until the conflict ends
2: which if you want to join the NTU contingent, each week the NTU brings big purple flags, so you should be able to see them relatively easy in the crowd. Just come up and introduce yourselves if you'd like to join the NTU contingent. Our motion also recognised the statements made by the Muslim Students Association of Victoria in advocating for peace and justice and the Monash Arab Society statement in response to the all-staff email titled Israel and Hamas Conflict.
0: Finally, we also noted that we stand opposed to any attempts at portraying the pro Palestinian movement and the movement towards a ceasefire and an end of the conflict as being anti Semitic. This includes Monash's adoption of the IHRA definition of anti Semitism, which curtails the rights of Jews and non Jews alike to criticize the policies of Israel without those criticisms being falsely labeled as anti Semitic. This movement stands against racism and bigotry in all its forms and any such racism must be called out. Anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, and all forms of racism are completely unacceptable and are antithetical to the ethos of everything that we do as a union.
2: Here, here, Tony, and yeah, hope to see some of you at the protest on Sunday. So now to move on to a little bargaining update. Where are we at at the moment? So we've now been bargaining for over a year and we're at the pointy end now. We've presented everything that we have to present to the university, but we're still waiting on them for, for a range of issues. We're really getting to the point where the real bargaining begins and decisions start to, being, start to be made about our priorities as a union and what we want to prioritise in the bargaining room.
0: This also means that it is the point at which it is most important that we show our power as a union and make the university understand that they need to listen to our concerns and come to the table with real and meaningful change. We'll return to this a little bit later when we talk about the all-members meeting and what was decided there.
2: So, so far, to help move bargaining along, the university has agreed to one extra bargaining meeting And then to revisit the conversation about whether to have more, uh, bargaining meetings at the end of that meeting.
0: Which isn't great, but it's a start. Uh, have they budged on anything? Well, I mean, not on any of the big stuff, a few of the minor items, there's been some movement on academic freedom, which obviously is also tied into what we were just saying about Gaza. Um, also some movement on oh and and parental leave, but there are big outstanding issues, um, particularly around things like workloads and job security.
2: And it's within that context of bargaining that we had our all-members meeting last week, where members voted unanimously to intensify industrial action in se- semester one. Should university management continue to delay and deny significant improvements on job security, pay, and workloads.
0: Essentially, what that motion was saying was that the university is now on notice. That if they don't come to the table, if they don't start making concessions, if they don't start actually offering some of the real and meaningful and tangible improvements that we are all seeking, and that they know they have to make, that we will be taking action. That this come the start of semester one, that everything is on the table. All of our actions, anything is possible. And one of the things that the people were asking was, was about why that motion wasn't more specific, why we weren't just saying, all right, come start of semester one, it's going to be a strike, or it's going to be this, or it's going to be that. And the reason that it wasn't like that was because we wanted to leave our options open. So another part of, of what happened during that all members meeting was that we had really good discussions around the need to do structured organizing conversations at a workplace level. So thinking back to the kinds of stuff that we were talking about a few episodes ago with our comrades from Melbourne University. And the idea being that if we were to lock ourselves into a particular action now at a meeting in November, that it may not match up with the concrete conditions of what we are dealing with come February next year. Who knows what kind of progress the team can make over summer? Who knows the kind of concessions that Monash might actually come to the table with? We don't want to lock ourselves into anything that is too specific when we're so far out. What this does is is it gives us an opportunity. It gives us a number of months to be putting in the groundwork, to be having those conversations and doing that prep work now and having those conversations, gauging where people are at, conducting a kind of sort of systematic analysis of, of what actions would be effective in which workplaces, how we can most impact what the university is doing at any given time. And assess what can disrupt the production of the education commodity. What we can do at the beginning of semester one next year that will have the biggest impact and that can be most closely and most effectively tailored to exactly what is happening. So, you know, are there going to be particular meetings that happen? Are there going to be particular people that are on campus? Are there going to be particular events that are happening? We don't know most of those things now. We can use this time now over the break as we're having these conversations to work through what we can do, when we can do it, where we can do it and what we can do that will have the most bang for its buck.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And also like to talk um, to other union members to see their ideas about how their workplaces could be most effectively disrupted as well. Uh, So that's something we'll talk about in a minute too. Uh, But before we get on to that, We just wanted to touch on um, the PhD contracts again. We did mention them a bit in the last episode, uh, but just as a refresher, the university has introduced a series of measures to address the problem of over-casualisation, but none really get quite to the heart of the issue, just like the PhD contracts. Um, So many of you will be aware that they're being offered to PhD candidates um, at a 0.1 or 0.2 fraction. And while we recognise that having a guarantee of work for the duration of a PhD might really help with planning and security, many of the fractions amount to less than $8,000 a year and do nothing to address the fact that over half of Monash staff are currently employed on short-term insecure contracts. We're not going to go into much more detail here um, as we had a longer chat about them last episode, so check out that episode if you want to get into the details of those contracts. But I really just want to reiterate what PhD students have been saying to me and to Tony and to some of our our colleagues as well, that these contracts are insulting, that they don't reflect the real value that PhD students provide to the university, that they won't cover basic cost of living for most uh, PhD students, uh, as the stipend doesn't either. That's again, uh, below the poverty line. And that they show PhD students that the university really doesn't care about the lives and livelihoods of their students. And unfortunately, this reflects exactly what I saw when I met with university management about this exact issue more than a year ago. In this regard, they really are just playing the hits.
0: And just to, I guess, reiterate something that, that Kate has just said, In the conversations that I've had with PhD students that have have been offered these contracts, it is really just a slap in the face. So many of these people have given so much time and so much care and effort in their studies, in the teaching that they have been doing, in every aspect of their relationship with the university. And then... The university rolls out this big PR campaign and they make all these promises and then to have them turn around and give them these contracts that have in every single way imaginable, basically, the minimum possible offering that they could give. So, you know, the ones that we have seen have been the lowest possible fraction, have been the lowest possible pay range, have had explicit Promises that were made to them in Q and A sessions and in conversations with supervisors and people that were associated with the rollout of this program just explicitly walked back and violated. It just feels like a con. It just feels like there's been a massive bait and switch, and that what they now feel is is that even more so than before, the university only cares about them as a number that now all they are is you know, a figure in a statement that the university can release or can, can table to parliament about the number of people that are now in secure work. Secure work doesn't mean shit if that secure work isn't giving you enough to live on. If all that they're willing to offer you over the course of a year of this contract is like two and a quarter days worth of the pay that Margaret Gardner was getting, what the fuck is the point of it? If you have been offered one of these and you don't want it, don't take it. You don't have to. You're not locked into any of this shit. Um, and I think that what these contracts really show is how closely interconnected fighting for better workloads and more secure jobs are. These pair of contracts are such tiny fractions, like I've just said that it's three and a half hours a week. You know, in most cases in Sophos, for example, more than half of that would be taking one tutorial. Anyone who has done any teaching before will know that you can't even do the preparation for one shoot in three and a half hours a week, let alone, you know, do the marking and all the associated stuff that goes along with it. And that an expectation in addition to that is that they're sort of backdooring in the student consultations that they're unwilling to pay casual staff for. That's an hour a week, again, of things that they're expecting you to do, where they're wanting you to be in a place to do a thing. And, you know, these jobs technically are more secure, like in in a very strict reading of, or Monash's very strict reading of what secure means. You won't have to reapply for your job every few months, Um, but it just runs the risk of enshrining the exploitation and the overwork that is already happening. That doesn't change. You're not getting a better deal in that sense. The exploitation is just sort of shifting forms and putting on a hat.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and, you know, the idea of going right back to insecure employment as soon as your PhD is finished as well because this does nothing um, for teaching staff that aren't currently doing a PhD at Monash too. Uh, So if this gets, you know, all the sort of stuff about bargaining and the PhD contracts and all that sort of stuff gets you a bit frustrated and, you know, wanting to make some change or you know, shake things up a bit at the university. The union has an industrial action working group, which is essentially a group of union members that help organise industrial action. Um, so they've done some of the industrial action you've already seen. So they're doing things like how we can be effective as possible with our actions in terms of timing, shape of our actions, what we do in industrial action. Um, so every kind of part of it is is organised by this working group. And we're looking for more members to get involved and share their ideas. Uh, It's always really great to have new people and many hands make light work as well. This is an open group and we're always looking for our members to get
0: involved. And just on that, on the note about it being an open group, that's one thing that I I really want to emphasise as well. Like this is how you can become more active within the union. So, you know, there's only a certain amount of, spots on the branch committee that's whatever this this is how like this is grassroots meaningful work that you can do uh, and that you can get involved in and it's really important that we get as many people in as many parts of the university doing as many different jobs within the university as possible Because if we don't have that, if all we have is, you know, a a small group of people that are all part of the, the same part of the university, all doing the same job, we're ignoring, we're not able to access the kinds of knowledge, the kinds of institutional knowledge that all those other parts have. Whereas if we can get a massive group from, you know, that is... Professional staff that is academic staff that is casual that is fixed term that are you know research people they're in you know every different like you can work in the chancery rebuilding and if you remember you can come along as well actually I'd really like you to come along if you work in the chancery rebuilding um and tell us what will work tell us what we can do help us shape what what we do going forward and what our industrial action looks like like if you've ever. Been involved, or if you've ever seen any of the industrial action that we've done, and and thought, you know, uh this isn't, this wouldn't work in my workplace, or or, or this it wasn't it wasn't as effective as it could have been. Where I am in the university, this is your opportunity to address that problem. This is your opportunity to to help us speak to the people in your area. Um, you know, if, if you want to see, if you're in one of the parts of the university where you know there aren't that many union members because people there don't feel like the union is for them for whatever reason, help us speak to those people. Tell us what to say. What is the the things that we can do to reach those people? We want to reach those people. We want to reach everybody in the university. Um, The more people that we have and the more voices that we have, the better we can do what we want to do, which is to represent everybody that is employed by by the university. Anyway. So if you want to see any particular things happening, please join the group.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the more people we have, the harder it is to ignore us. So that's kind of another big reason to get involved. As well, you know, as I, you know, often say on this podcast and probably everybody's sick of hearing hearing me say as well, you know, Tony and I aren't, you know, paid organisers. We don't kind of have necessarily a background in this. We just sort of decided that, we wanted to get involved, and really that's all it takes. So, you can, if you want to get involved as well, you can email the branch at monash at nteu.org.au to join the Industrial Action Working Group.
0: The group will be meeting semi regularly over the break um, so that we can start to formulate those plans and so that, you know, come next year we can really hit the ground running and we can really roll out a set of things that can be really effective. Um, so please do email through to the branch if you're interested.
2: And in a similar vein, we just wanted to let you know of some of our upcoming episodes, which will hopefully help our members become more involved and build more power. So first of all, uh, we will have an episode out at some point in the new year with some resources about some tactics you can use to get your workplace organized and ready for the next industrial action.
0: Also, if you were around for the 48 hour strike, particularly on that Tuesday, Uh, you might have had the pleasure to have attended some of the teachings that that were happening. Um, We received a lot of really positive feedback about those. That was one of the real highlights that a lot of people pointed out. Um, And we have a recording of those, um, which we'll be releasing uh, as upcoming episodes as well.
2: So finally, the NTEU is having an end-of-year barbecue on Wednesday, the 29th of November from 12 to 2 p.m., Keep an eye out on your inbox for the invite and hope to see you all there. Uh, we'll also be presenting the Sandra Cockfield Award for Organiser of the Year. Uh, so, yeah, come and see that being given out for another year.
0: Kate is much too graceful to say it, but she is the current holder of that Sandra Cockfield Award uh, for activism. So she is about to see out her her reign Uh, in that position. So come along and see who the next person will be that will take over. And as always, if you have any questions about bargaining, please send us an email at myunionrhodoneba at gmail.com. See you all soon, and good luck with wrapping up everything for the end of semester. All right, folks, that's it for this episode. Thanks to Kate, Danny, Adam, Bernard, and Pod Daddy Sofio, for all the work they've put into this, and we'll catch you next time.